Too often, faith becomes more about who is in and who is out or about who belongs and who does not. But in order for spirituality to be good for anyone, it has to be good for everyone. In this podcast, we find incredible people using their faith and life as a catalyst for goodness in this world. Be inspired to discover your own goodness in order to make your life, your family, your community, and your world better. Hey, welcome to the Chasing Goodness Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Kinzera. Great to be with you, as always, on this lovely summer day in June. Hey, I wanted to issue, I guess, a little bit of an apology. I have been so busy. If you've been listening to the last few episodes, you've probably heard that I am in the process of relocating and moving and starting a new position at a nonprofit organization. And just, there's just a lot going on. And so it's through sheer willpower that I'm taking the time to do this podcast every week. No, I'm kidding. It's a, it's a true joy. I actually take it to my new office and I end my day on, on, uh, on the, I end my Mondays by sitting down and doing this podcast. And I really look forward to it. Here's where the apology comes in. I know, I know, I know. I haven't had any interviews for quite some time now. And full disclosure, just have not had the time to sit down and organize when I can get the interviews in the whole nine yards. Just haven't had time. (laughs) Too many things going on right now. So I say that in hopes that you will give me a little bit of grace I am in some conversations about some upcoming interviews that will be wonderful because they always are. And uh, there's a lot of work that I'm doing to, to get this podcast to a place that it will be even in a better spot than it is now. And a lot of, a lot of, there's just, I've got this new job and I'm also working on kind of overhauling website stuff, overhauling some concepts, not total overhaul, just, just like that's the wrong word. The The right word is we're honing in. We're honing in. I know that's two words, but deal with it. So anyway, please accept my apology. Uh, please accept my apology. There will be some more guests coming. I promise you that people who we can just sit down and have a great conversation of how to connect with God, connect with ourselves and connect with one another. Speaking of that, I I don't know if you heard, I've got a book out. It's called Bring It Home. It's all about connecting to your story so that you can connect with God and connect with those around you. And the whole concept is that if we focus in on our story, that we will find God right in the center of it. And that's kind of, we're, we're going we're gonna to talk a little bit more about this in this episode, which is why I bring it up. And then the other thing, there is a little seven-day devotional that I threw out on my website, mattkinzera.com. And that devotional is called Finding Faith Again. So if you're the person like I was a number of years ago, and you're kind of in this space where like faith seems elusive for you, maybe you used to feel like you were somebody of a real strong faith, and then it feels like it slipped through your fingers because of hurt because of disappointment because of whatever 
this is just a quick seven-day devotional, and all it is is, again, it's me sharing my stories of how I got through that point of my life with the hopes that maybe you could read it and it would be helpful to you. Maybe it would be, maybe it wouldn't be, but it's short and it's easy and it's a free download right off the website. So check that out if you think it would be helpful. I probably am going to be taking that down. I'm not probably, I'm going to be taking that down from the website at the end of the summer. So if you haven't downloaded that yet and you want to, make sure you do that before the end of the summer. This Sunday, so here's, here's my life right now. I, I still have, so I've lived, my family and I, my wife and I have been in Eau Claire, Wisconsin, which for those of you out of the area, it's, uh, it's kind of by Minneapolis. We're across the border from Minneapolis, Minnesota. That's about where it is. And I've recently accepted a position down near Madison, Wisconsin, which is on the opposite side of the state. So right now we've been for the last 30 years living in Northwestern Wisconsin. Now I'm relocating. We are relocating to Southeastern Wisconsin, Madison, Milwaukee, that whole neck of the woods. And so what's going on, obviously when you move, we've got a house to sell because that's just where we're at in life. And so what I'm doing is I'm down at my new job during the weekdays, so Monday through Friday, and then I zip back up to Eau Claire because I've got some projects I want to finish up on the house before I put it on the market. So basically, I work my butt off in the nonprofit world during the weekdays, knock out a podcast during the weekdays, do some other work during the evenings, head back up Friday evenings and then work like a dog on my house projects and try to squeeze in a little bit of family time on the weekends. And so this weekend I was, it was like Thursday or Friday and, uh, and I got an email. I'm so, I'm so thankful I got this email several months ago. I had set up a speaking gig at a local church in Eau Claire. I totally forgot about it. No lie. And I got this email that was the service order. And I was like, oh no, oh no. Now it wasn't, oh no, like I'm not ready for it. I've you know, been a, a professional speaker for a long time and I've got plenty of content that I can grab onto and just roll. Like you could tell me you've got to speak in five minutes and I could pull something out and hopefully make it, make it matter. So that wasn't the problem. The problem was I was like, I, I'm so exhausted and I'm going to go home and I'm going to work on my house all day Saturday. All I'm going to want to do on Sunday is sleep in, but I'm going to have to get up early and speak at this church, come home from church and do some more work before getting up ridiculously early on Monday. You know, I just wanted a morning. I just wanted a morning so bad. And but I didn't have it. So, kind of geared up in my head and figured out, you know, what I wanted to share, which I kind of, you know, already knew because I take the concept of this book and I just uh, put it in kind of storytelling form and, and make it work for a, a worship service. And so I'm kind of dreading it all weekend, honestly. But then Sunday morning comes, I've committed to this. I love speaking. So Sunday morning comes, I'm like, yes, I want to sleep in, but I'm going to get up. I'm going to do this and I'm going to trust that I'm going to trust that I'm going to be blessed for just keeping a commitment and being diligent. So I get there and I'm just, <laughs> I'm running behind the whole nine yards. I get there a little bit late 
Susie's doing a little bit of music for it with me and, uh, and I'm doing the speaking. And so, um, I, I just always know that if they, if they don't like me, they'll always like when Susie sings. So I figured that's my little buffer there. <laughs> and, uh, so I get there and, um, people are just lovely. People are really kind. It's a Lutheran church and the, the whole, here's, this is part of, part of the reason I bring this up is the church as it has been is getting a really, really bad rap, right? Especially from us people in the deconstruction zone. <laughs> um, and so we hear so many stories that are negative about church stories about trauma, stories about leaders being abusive, all of those kinds of things. And you know, that, that kind of stuff that, that goes, that works on a podcast that works on a news story that works in a magazine article that works on a video really well, because, you know, if you want to gather a bunch of people, find a common enemy. And in the last several years, like the church has become a bit of a common enemy for a lot of people. Rightfully so. I'm not, I'm not saying that the church on some level doesn't deserve it because there's been a lot of crap that's gone on inside the, the context of the organized church. So, so a lot of that has been brought on by themselves and that just is what it is. But because of it, there's just a lot of negativity around church. So I go into this church and, um, and, and I went from the place where I would never go into a church again to the place now that I'm a little bit more open to doing that again. And I was so thankful that I did because this, oh, it was just the most wonderful, lovely experience I've had in church for years. I mean, years and years. So it's a, a Lutheran church, very traditional in the way they did things. And so we sang hymns together. They put the hymns. It was like the perfect, like in between, they put the hymns on the screen, but they also had the notes. So you could sing along if you were a note reader and the, the, the pastor, there's this, this woman who was equal parts, like very connected to the congregation. Uh, she, in the beginning, she was really great. She had a great sense of humor, was making the congregation laugh, but then also was very serious about the liturgical parts and was very like, was, the whole service was really well put together. And they had a really good, I mean, this is a Sunday in the beginning of summer when nobody goes to church, but people went to this church and they were very, everybody was singing, everybody was engaged. I got up there to speak and I'm telling you, like everybody was leaned in, everybody's eyes were on me. I had their attention, not because of anything I was doing, just because it was this group of people that genuinely seemed to be there for the right reason. They were there. I showed up about a half an hour before the service. There was a lot of people already there. So you could tell that shows me that there's like a sense of community already. I left about a half hour after the service. There was still a ton of people there hanging out, chatting and, and the whole nine yards. And, and so I shared the message and did a little bit of music with Susie. And you know, when, when you speak, wherever it is, usually not always if you're speaking to like young people, but even then a lot of times, usually people are kind enough where a lot of people will come up and just say, thanks, or just say, you know, thanks for being here. Appreciate you, whatever, you know, just some real basic thank yous, uh, as a courtesy, I'll call it. Right. But here after it was over, 
I couldn't get my, my intention was, Hey, I'm going to go to the lobby area so I can greet people as they're leaving church. Cause I just assumed <laughs> like most churches I've been at people are there and then they all leave at the same time. Well, that did not happen. I couldn't even get past like the first couple of pews because person after person kept like stopping me and they, they thanked me for being there, which I expected. What I didn't expect is that they were so very grateful and so very detailed in what they were grateful about in the message that I shared. Many of them would even apply it to their own story. And that shows me, that showed me that this is a group of people that were invested in that worship service and therefore were invested in the message that I brought and were willing to consider it as a part of their own lives. Just this morning, I was listening to a podcast. I don't know if you know who Mel Robbins is, uh, but she's a great podcaster, great speaker. And she's kind of a give it to you straight kind of gal. And she was talking about the difference between thankfulness and uh, gratitude. And she said, thankfulness is exactly that. It's like a quick thank you for being here, a quick, you know, something quick and not all that meaningful, something that you'll forget within just a few minutes of it happening. But gratefulness is something that's much deeper. It's much more personal. And uh, it's, it's just a whole deeper level. And what I was experiencing as I kept walking, trying to walk out of the sanctuary to get to the lobby area, just person after person was meeting me and saying in such detail the things that they appreciated about what they heard from me that day. And, um, and it was really beautiful and it was really meaningful. And so I was just very thankful that I got the opportunity this weekend to experience such a beautiful rendition of church in the midst of church getting such a bad name, in the midst of everybody trying to redefine church, which I think is really good work. Here's a church that's been meeting probably the same general way since their existence, which I have no idea how long that's been, but the building looked old. And they're still singing the, the hymns. They're still doing the liturgy in much the same way as they always have. Their prayers were maybe had a little bit more modern twist to it only because they're praying about things that are actually happening in, happening in our world. And this beautiful traditional church still brought so much goodness and value to my life as, as somebody who just showed up for the first time. I went home and I said, Susie, if I knew that church existed in the form that it did, I might have been going to that church for the last couple of years. It's this inclusive church. It's this genuine church. It's this loving church. You could tell everybody there wanted to follow Jesus to the best of their ability. And you could tell everybody there cared about one another. So the reason I bring that up is because if you've kind of given up on church, but you miss it, there just, there just might be space for you out there yet. And, um, and this was another conversation that afterwards of, you know, I was, I was just kind of digesting this with Susie afterwards with my wife. And I was just, you know, the conversation came up where I think she said, wouldn't it be great if there was a revival, not in like the Pentecostal revival sense, but like a revival of that type of worship where it was simple it was kind of historic in nature and it was done by a bunch of people who genuinely loved Jesus and loved being together. Like, wouldn't it be cool if like a younger generation like rises up and recaptures that? And I was like, yeah, yeah, it would. It totally would. Wouldn't it be cool if we had these really healthy renditions of traditional churches on top of some of these new concepts of church, like 
churches around tables and things like that that we're starting to see or churches and breweries and whatnot. Now, let's go to the message part, okay? The message part, and this I'm going to keep beating this over the, how, the head because it's so important to me. The, what I did is I, I shared a couple of stories and their stories. If you've read the book, you've, you've heard the stories that I shared most of them, but I, I shared this verse. There's this verse. I, it's in the gospels and Jesus is with some of his followers and it's, it seems by reading it that they're actually coming from potentially being in the temple. If they weren't in the temple, they were definitely in the city where the temple was. Okay. So they're walking away from that space and Jesus or the disciples, the followers, they grab Jesus and they ask him to turn around because he's walking away from the city, away from the temple. They ask him to turn around and, and they draw his attention to the temple, you know, inferring, look at how gorgeous that look is. Look at how amazing that is. And Jesus basically just dismisses that, just dismisses what, that, that they're drawing attention to it. And he says, who cares about that? It's not even going to be there in a little bit. You know, my paraphrase, obviously. And then he keeps walking away from the temple. And so the whole concept of the message was this idea that life connected with God, connected with ourselves, connected with each other, that type of life happens in our own lived experience more so than it happens in a church. I, man, I grew up loving church so much. I, even in my adulthood, for most of my adulthood, like church was such a central part of my life. So for the vast majority of my life, I have been a church lover. And so I get how important and how beautiful that space can be in a person's life. But it can only be a piece of the puzzle. And you've heard this in different forms, but I don't know how many people have really meant it over the years that true life lived out connected to God is going to be a life where you're experiencing the divine in your own lived experience. And by own lived experience, I simply mean you're experiencing God in the center of your own story. And that everything you do, everything that you experience every day of your life, whether that's with your spouse, whether that's with your kids, whether that's on a walk in the woods or a jog or a bike ride or dealing with difficult co-work, like every part of it, going to the store, every part of your life, has a connection to something greater than you. And it's our ability to see that and to experience it that'll allow us to truly step into it. So often the the model of Christianity has been we go to church to get filled up so we can survive our work week, right? And then we struggle through that and we struggle through parenting. We struggle through our spouse. We struggle through our work week. And then we come back to church to get filled up so we can do it again. <laughs> That's kind of the, the general concept. And then somebody went crazy and said, hey, we should come to church on Wednesdays as well. Whatever. But what if we can be getting filled up all along the way? I mean, I have so many. Um, I, let me tell you this story. This is this is. This was a story that just happened to me last week. So I'm at the nonprofit I work for works with primarily senior citizens, 
part of the work that's done at the space where I'm, I'm being the executive director is there's tons of just activities going on all the time. And, uh, it's, it was, it was started as a senior center. Now it's opened up and it's very much like a community center. It's, it's, it's called the gathering place. And it truly is like people from all over the place gather at this place to have beautiful times of connection with one another. It's awesome. And so part of my job, I mean, part of my job is like payroll, balancing the budget, managing staff, all that fun kind of, uh, you know, nonprofit executive director work, writing grants, blah, blah, blah. The other part of my work, somebody, when I first got the job, somebody said, you know, half your job is just sitting around and bullshitting with people. (laughs) It's like, well, I should be good at this. (laughs) And so the other day I, I, you know, there's so much learning to do. So I'm learning, I'm just behind a computer so much, uh, the first couple of weeks of this job, but then I finally, I'm like, I can't, I like, I, that's what I, I hate being behind a computer. That's my arch nemesis. I always say like, I can't be in a job where I'm behind a computer. Just being in a nine to five job is really a stretch for me. Um, but then to be behind a computer is like crazy. So I'm like, I'm done with this. I'm just going to go hang out with people. And so I go and I'm like, who's doing what right now? There's this group of lovely humans outside because it was a beautiful day and they had the bean bags out, you know, the, or cornhole, whatever you call it. And, uh, and, and so they were playing. So I was like, Hey, that, that just looks <laughs> lovely on this beautiful summer day. What better than to hang out with people and just play beanbags and have fun? And there's a bunch of people. It's crazy. Like the parking lot to this place is just always jam packed. So I go out there, I play i haven't played beanbags in eons i'm horrible i just i you could tell i hadn't played in a while now luckily my teammate was great so we ended up winning whoop whoop irrelevant then i start this guy pulls me aside this guy his name's al pulls me aside he's a big fisherman he does he's just sharing with me the first question he asked me is he, he said hey do you like to fish and i said i used to like to fish like when i was growing up i would fish at my parents place uh, or, or we had this old shack up on a river in northern wisconsin i used to spend a lot of time in the summers fishing even have a good fishing story or two and uh I said, but you know, kids and career and all that. I said, I haven't been fishing. I don't even remember the last time I went fishing. And then he just goes into the story about how much he loves fishing, about how he is a, the head of the fishing club at this place, at the gathering place. He's, um, he, he's mentoring kids. He's pulling out his phone. He's showing me this eight or nine year old kid that he's been taking out on his boat and teaching how to fish. And then he tells me that he makes fishing rods. And I'm like, Oh my goodness, this is, this is awesome. What a cool thing. It's, it's so inspiring to me when you find people like that are past their main career and they quote unquote retire, but they, they do so much in their retirement, like they're busier in their retirement than they were where they were working because they've poured themselves into a passion. And this guy was just into it. He's just fishing all the time. He's mentoring people. He's leading a fishing club. He's making fishing rods. Like it's just fishing, fishing, fishing. So I'm like, Al, I would love to go fishing with you sometime. And then he just, he's like, I would love that. And he said, here's the thing, Matt. And he just, he gets like very serious, very suddenly. He said, here's the thing, Matt. 20 years ago, my son committed suicide. He said, I I came home and I opened the garage door and my son was hanging there. So 20 years ago, this, this man found his son hanging lifeless in his garage. He was the one to find him. I can't, you know, if you're a parent and you're listening, like, 
just what I said there makes you pause, right? Just makes you pause because nobody can imagine that kind of pain. And for those of you who have lost a loved one, especially if you've lost a child, man, my heart, my heart. Um, I mean, a lot of you know that I work for an organization that was started by the dad of a, a teenager who was killed in a school shooting. And so, you know, I've been alongside, I've had conversations with parents who've lost their kids. And um, I don't know firsthand how hard it is, you can't, but I've seen the pain um, in people who have experienced that. And so then he goes on to say, he said, Matt, if I didn't have fishing and I didn't have this community of people who like to talk about fishing and go fishing together, and if I didn't have these kids to mentor, he said, there's no way I could have made it. And I heard what he said here. I met this guy and I thought I was meeting a guy that just loves to fish. Like a lot of people love to fish, but this was actually a man who was connecting with nature in a way that was providing healing that likely nothing else could provide. And that is connecting to the divine, connecting to yourself and connecting to others outside of any sort of organized faith structure. I have no idea what this guy would consider himself on the faith spectrum, nor do I care. All that I know is that he experienced the divine through his lived experience. And it's the only way, according to him, that he's been able to heal. And then I got the opportunity to, I got the opportunity to experience the divine by hearing his story and standing next to him and looking in him in his eyes and hearing the work that he's doing. I mean, I learned so much about myself, about him, about God in that small 10 to 15 minute interaction. And it was so powerful. It was so powerful. And the, the lesson that I learned that I've learned before, but I tend to forget a lot and I've, I've spoken on it a lot before I've podcasted on it a lot before the lesson is this, the lesson is in order to experience God in our lived out stories, we have to give ourselves space to truly live out our stories. And what Jesus would do and is that he would, he would walk. I mean, the man walked away from the temple and that's kind of a, a metaphor for the way that he did his ministry, but he just walked around and he created space in his life to meet with people wherever they are, wherever they were, whatever they were going through, he would stop and he would meet with them and he would meet their needs. And there was this beautiful divine interaction that happened between them every time it happened. It doesn't matter if it's the woman at the well, the woman at the issue of bleeding, the, the lepers, the disciples, Mary, whatever. Every time, like something amazing would happen. And that's because he lived a life where he would give himself the opportunity to have those conversations, to have those interactions. Now, if you're like me, sometimes you wake up, you put your head down and you just go to, you just get it done, right? You just get done. You go to work, you get your workout in, you get your podcast, whatever. You just put your head down and you get it done. And when we do that, we're missing the whole point. We are living a task oriented life and we're not living a Jesus like life. When we, when I got up be, be, from behind this stupid computer crunching numbers, right? You know, I get it. I get that. That's part of my job. But 
when I intentionally took the time, I could, man, I've got work enough to do that I would never have to leave this computer and I'd never be bored. But I hate that. That's not the person I am. That's not who God created me to be. And that's not where stories of lived experience will come to life. And so when I gave myself an hour or two to just live out life with the people around me in that day, of course a story came out. Of course I learned something. Of course I had this connection in such a beautiful way that I could have never had without interacting with other people around me. And so the challenge, I guess, is first and foremost to believe that your story matters. First and foremost, to believe that as you live out your story, it's part of your connection with God and it's part of your connection with this world. And it's a huge, obviously, part of your connection with yourself. You know, a lot of people walk around thinking their stories don't matter because they don't, you know, for whatever reason, for whatever reason, they believe that. But man, all of our stories matter and we've all got great stories. And that doesn't mean that they have to be stories that make people laugh around a bonfire. That just means they have to be stories that matter to you. That's all that, that's, that's what makes a great story. So if it matters to you, if it meant something to you, if you learned something, if you felt something, whatever, it's, it's a great story. So first it's just realizing that, you know, your story matters and it's a beautiful connecting point with the divine. And then the second thing, and, and this might be the more difficult of the two is in order to experience those stories, we need to be intentional about giving space for those stories to come about. Because if you just go through your routine every day and it's just do, 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 go, 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 then I'm pretty confident that you're not going to experience the goodness that life has and wants to offer you. And so think through your life this week and think through your day, maybe even today or tomorrow and Think about how you can create space for life to happen. Maybe it's as simple as spending an extra hour or two with your kids this week. Man, you and I both know that kids create some of the greatest stories, right? They create some of the greatest stories. You can learn so much from kids. Maybe it's you going out on a date with your spouse or with your boyfriend or with your girlfriend, fiance, whatever. Significant other. How about that? <laughs> Maybe it's just going out on a date so that you can just experience one another. Maybe it's taking a walk around your neighborhood or around your workplace, wherever you are, with your eyes open. And, and as you're walking, you're looking for the opportunity for interaction with other human beings. Maybe it's taking a walk where you know there will be no other human beings so you can just expect some sort of connection with nature, which is obviously then a connection with God. Find some way this week to believe in your story and to find space to live it out. And I believe that that, in my experience, is the greatest way to connect with God. That is not to dismiss church. That's not to dismiss anything. It's not to dismiss any of that. It's to say, church should be a part of your story it shouldn't be so so church should be a part of your story of faith it shouldn't be your story of faith so when you if you if you go to church go and let that be part of your story and let yourself learn and experience and grow there as well but let that be just a, a little piece of the puzzle a little beautiful piece of the puzzle
Well, I hope you enjoyed my ramblings. Uh, it's just something that's very deep that like this, what I was talking about today is so deep within me and I, I, I don't think I'll ever get away from it. It's just what makes so much sense to me. And I constantly have to remind myself of it so I don't slip into old patterns, uh, which cause me to stand, to step away from these things. Well, it's been fun. You can find me on social media if you'd like, but man, you, you may have noticed I've kind of been on a social media hiatus. And here's the thing. It's not because of my new job. It's because I'm doing a little bit of an experiment. I've never enjoyed social media. And I always have assumed that I needed social media to be successful, <laughs> especially in a speaking career and podcasting. And that may or may not be true. And what I'm doing right now is I'm just kind of stepping away from doing any sort of posting. I took it off my phone. I don't look, maybe I'll look at it once a week. Um, and when I do, it's maybe for a few minutes. And I, what I'm doing is I'm evaluating how I feel, first and foremost, what it's doing for me, which is awesome. And then second, I'm evaluating how it's doing in the life of this podcast. In the first month that I did it was the most downloaded month of the podcast ever. So all, I, all that to say, like you can find me on social media, but you can't find me very much on social media. Better place to go is probably the website, which is just matkinsera.com. I'll keep that updated, and that's going to get a little bit of a facelift coming into the fall as well. Uh, you know, you know, I do. I'm always on my email, so if you email me at hello at matkinsera.com, I will get your email and respond to it in a very prompt manner. You can also just go to the connection page on the website. But until next time, let's keep chasing goodness together.